Good morning, everyone. You're listening to today's news on Morning Mixtape. Today is Thursday, April 6th, and I'm your host, Gabriel Hilti, reporting for CGRU 1280 AM in Toronto. Here are the top stories this morning. In local news, a new Ontario poll shows that many are unhappy with the performance of Premier Ford's government, but continue to support his party. In national news, the head of Amnesty International Canada says that Air Canada's racist treatment kept her from boarding her flight. After the latest election results from two significant U.S. elections in Wisconsin and in Chicago. Then we'll hear from Krishika with a segment on developments in the detection of COVID-19. And after, we'll round off the show with the weather outlook for the day. Looking at local news, a new public opinion poll shows that the progressive conservative government, led by Premier Doug Ford, is receiving poor marks in its handling of nearly all pressing issues for Ontarians. As reported by Global News, the survey done by Angus Reid, which questioned 881 Ontario residents, highlights that people are overwhelmingly unhappy with the way that key issues are being tackled. 83% of those questioned feel that the Ford government is doing a poor or very poor job on the issue of housing affordability. This comes after the government recently unveiled plans to open up protected lands in the Greenbelt for housing development. This plan has been criticized by housing experts, the official opposition, and Federal Environment Minister Stephen Gilbo. Looking at health care, 78% of people in the survey say that the province has done a poor or very poor job on the issue. Additionally, 81% are critical of how the provincial government is handling inflation and the cost of living. Only 37% of those surveyed feel that the government is doing a good job in the economy and job creation. Despite these results, the people in the survey also indicated strong support for the current progressive conservative government. 38% say they would vote for Ford's PC party, and 30% say they would vote for the NDP with new leader Marit Stiles. The next provincial election in Ontario takes place in the summer of 2026, with the race for Toronto's new mayor taking place sooner, with a by-election happening this summer on June 26th. Moving to national news, the Secretary-General of Amnesty International Canada says that racist treatment by airline Air Canada resulted in her being denied boarding of her flight. Reported by the Toronto Star and other outlets, Kedi Nivyabandi was denied boarding by Air Canada to a flight from Ottawa to Mexico last Thursday, despite having the required travel documents. She is a Burundian national and also has Canadian permanent resident status and a refugee passport. According to the entry and exit requirements of the Canadian government, she is eligible to enter Mexico without a visa. Despite this, she says that Air Canada officers at the Ottawa International Airport held her at the counter for an hour to look at her travel documents and ultimately denied her boarding without any justification. She points to one of the airline agents thinking that her birthplace of Belgium would help her in processing as a manifestation of systemic racism and the over and under scrutiny of certain sets of countries. After posting about the incident on Twitter and gaining significant traction, Nivia Bandi was able to connect with Air Canada's management team. The airline apologized and refunded her ticket and rebooked her on a new flight. Nivia Bandi says that she knows her case is not an isolated incident and that the problem is part of a systemic pattern of racial profiling. Air Canada blamed the problem on the complex rules for documentation, which vary from country to country. 
They say that the information in the technical system used by global airlines for entry requirements was unclear about the documents necessary for entry to Mexico. Livia Bandi has reached out to leadership at Air Canada to have conversations on larger reforms, such as training employees on racial profiling and compensation for passengers unfairly denied boarding. Looking at international news, the results from a high-stakes Supreme Court race in the U.S. state of Wisconsin, along with the outcome of the election for mayor in Chicago, the third largest city in the country. In Wisconsin, AP and other news outlets report that voters have elected the liberal candidate Janet Protasiewicz to the state Supreme Court. She defeats her opponent, Daniel Kelly, who is backed by various conservative groups by more than 11 percentage points. Protasiewicz's win is significant in Wisconsin as it shifts the state Supreme Court from a conservative to a liberal majority. This paves the way for various decisions by the Supreme Court later this year after she is seated in August. The court will likely reverse the state's near-complete ban on abortions based on an 1849 law and also be likely to strike down gerrymandered legislative maps drawn by Republicans that have resulted in concentrated Republican control in the state over the last decade. The contest was the most expensive judicial election in American history, with more than $40 million in spending. Moving over to Chicago, the outcomes of the election for mayor in the third largest U.S. city are now clear. The New York Times and other outlets report that progressive Democrat and former teacher Brandon Johnson defeated the more conservative Democrat Paul Vallas. Bringing in more than 51% of the vote, Johnson campaigned on a different approach to dealing with rising crime to his opponent. He advocated for more economic and community development and more mental health and social workers, rather than an increase in police officers. The campaign and election showcased the power of unions, with Johnson being endorsed by the Chicago Teachers Union he formerly worked for, and Vallas being backed by the Chicago Fraternal Order of Police. Vallas unsuccessfully ran a campaign on increased police presence to deal with crime and upping the number of controversial charter schools, which are private schools that receive public funding. Johnson will be sworn in on May 15th and says that public safety will be his top priority once in office. Moving from today's headlines to our daily segment, here's Krishika with her piece on developments in COVID-19 detection research. Hello everyone, my name is Krishika Jathani and I'm going to be your segment host for today. Today I have some interesting news regarding a research project for a new sensor that can determine whether you have COVID-19 or the flu. Almost three years since the COVID-19 pandemic hit us, it is still very important to continue with all measurements and respect the needs of others. Moreover, it is important to remember that you are still able to catch the virus and take the necessary actions when feeling sick is still a priority. Originally, when you have a cough, sore throat, or congestion, it can normally mean you have some sort of respiratory virus. According to the Good News Network, researchers want to change the conventional tests and rely on chemical reactions to electrical changes sensed by nanomaterials. Researchers have been reported using a single atom thick nanomaterial that has allowed them to build a device that can simultaneously detect whether you have COVID-19 or the flu. According to the Good News Network, Dimitri Kareev, a PhD researcher in the group, said the sensor was built using graphene, a single layer of carbon atoms that were then arranged in a hexagonal pattern. Due to how it is so thin, it can sense any electrical changes in the environment. 
Additionally, researchers had to link antibodies from the virus that caused COVID-19 and the flu virus to graphene. Furthermore, when an infected person is using the sensor, the antibodies will be able to make a change in the electrical current. They used proteins from these viruses that were delivered in fluid to create the sensor. According to the Good News Network, Deji Akinwandi, a PhD from the University of Texas at Austin, presented the work at an American Chemical Society meeting and said the following. Akinwandi said, When both of these viruses are circulating together, as they did earlier this winter, it would be immensely useful to have a sensor that can simultaneously detect whether you have COVID, flu, none of the above, or both. Akinwandi, in a press release, also explained how this sensor can detect small quantities of anything from bacteria or viruses in gas or in blood. They are also trying to develop this new device into testing for other infections. The sensor can return results within 10 seconds in comparison to conventional tests that take longer based on the one you are using. According to the Good News Network, Akinwandi and his group of researchers are still working on the sensor to make sure it works effectively. There is still no timeline for when these sensors might become available to airports and healthcare providers. What do you think about this sensor? Do you think it'll be as accurate as conventional tests? For CJRU 1280 AM, I am Krishika Jathani. Let's hand it back to the host. Looking at today's weather forecast, the day is shaping up to be mostly sunny coming out from yesterday's rain with some wind in the morning and afternoon. Temperatures will reach a high of 10 degrees and cool down to zero going into the evening. That's everything for today. Thanks for listening to Morning Mixtape. The show will be back tomorrow morning with some more headlines, and I'll be back next week. For CGRU 1280 AM in Toronto, I'm your host, Gabriel Hilti.